Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Resistance TV. My name is Mandy Clare. I'm an independent councillor, previously Labour. Um, and tonight um, we're going to be discussing all things uh, related to being on the political left at a time when there are tensions between gender ideology advocates and those who advocate for women's rights. So that's what we're going to be discussing tonight. Um, and we will be taking questions from the chat later on. Uh, so please, I mean, this is a, a, a pre-recorded show, but myself and my guest, Kay Green, will be available in the chat on YouTube. So if people watching this on Wednesday would like to ask us questions, make comments, etc., we'll be able to pick those up uh, with you. Um, so um, I'm pleased if we could ask if people could keep it kind and respectful, because we know that this is an area that's prone to less than comradely um, communication sometimes and clashes. Um, but we do feel that it's important that we don't ignore this issue and that we do platform it on the left, because it's something that's been particularly neglected on the left within politics as well. And it's an issue that really should be very important to us and very central to us as socialists. So. Um, if we can keep it comradely in the chat, that would be great. Um, so we're going to talk, I'm just going to talk for a little minute or two from my notes by way of setting us some context before I introduce my guests properly. So firstly, um, I'd like to say thanks everybody for your positive feedback on last week's show with Rona Hotchkiss about women and prisons. Um, we've had uh, a discussion and decided to extend this topic around sort of gender ideology and sex and women's rights into a summer series. Um, which we've decided to call Sex in the Summer. Um, and we're going to be covering different angles piece by piece because we have seen a lot of changes that profoundly affect women's rights in every sphere of society. And a huge shift has taken place. And it isn't possible to cover all of these changes or to get a feel for the scale of them or for the implications um, for women and for children, etc., by just doing one or two shows about the whole topic because it's just too big, it's too huge of a topic. So the other reason for doing a themed series is that people who advocate for changes to women's rights, so people who are in favour of, you know, grown, fully intact men being naked in the same changing room as like an 11-year-old girl or as a, a woman um, co-worker or, or whatever as has, has happened, um, who are advocating for that as the kind and fair thing to do and people that are advertising um, advocating for men to be allowed to compete in women's sports any any women's sports including boxing including um you know running or football or whatever it is um people who advocate for male police officers to be able to strip search and intimate search their female suspects you know that that people the, these are people who are advocating for changes to women's rights as we've always known them all of our lives, most of us. Um, and these um, issues tend not to be um, to be people who advocate uh, for women's rights and who are against these changes are the ones who tend to get deplatformed and sacked from their jobs and ostracized and censored, especially on the left. Um, whereas those advocating for retention of women's rights and protections have been abused and silenced on the political left in particular. So we want to try and balance this out a bit if we can and allow for some of these more suppressed voices to emerge so that people can hear them really and then make their mind up properly. Um, it's really difficult for people to form clear positions on these issues if they're stifled and women are made examples of for speaking up. 
Um, we saw how readily the country, the whole country, were able to be swayed on the notion that the Labour Party was riddled with anti-Semitism uh, through very selective media coverage and very strong example-making misuses of the disciplinary process within the Labour Party itself. And the left needs to be regrouping on the basis of balanced and informed positions because a similar kind of thing has happened with women who are advocating for retention of women's rights within the Labour Party and within wider society. And left independent media outlets have avoided focusing on this issue, like the plague, and in a very few and far between instances where they have made a big deal of being brave and have, have said, well, we're going to go there. Um, in reality, they've still been very visibly biased in their view, the presenters have been both during and before that those kind of that programs taken place. Um, so it's been very staged, it's been very controlled, it's been far less airtime that's been given to women who are standing up for women's rights. And there have been very narrow lines of questioning um, put to those women who have then been interrupted when they've been answering the questions. And basically it's been conducted in a straightforwardly biased way. And we've seen the damage that's been done to people within the party already with the anti-Semitism debate through biased coverage and the way that the issues can be skewed in, in that way. And it's, in very, it, it's incredibly frustrating, I, I found, to, to watch that happening all over again, but this time with the women's rights issue. Um, it's really important that people on the left who may not be up to speed on this issue are at least allowed to hear all angles fairly. Um, the silencing of one perspective and celebration of the other has been incredible to witness and really calls to mind many, many ironic parallels with that anti-Semitism witch hunt, um, which we need to be above those kinds of tactics, I think, on if we want to build a new left and a new political vehicle. Um, and we want that to be based on trust and mutual respect. Uh, so let's see. With that, I'd like to welcome um, Kay Green to the show. Thank you very much for coming along to speak to us tonight. Um, and I'm so glad to have you here for our second show, Spotlighting How the Left Has Digested and Responded to the Apparent Clash Between Trans Activism and Women's Rights Advocates, um, and looking at whether, in fact, the left has digested this debate at all. Um, so Kay, until recently, we could have added that you were vice chair of um, Hastings and Rye Labour Party, Equalities Officer for South Coast Unite Community, National Committee of the LRC, Labour Representative Committee, that's right. Um, and depending on what year, Kay has held positions in Hastings Momentum and has been a member of the RMT support crew. Um, Kay is a publisher, a freelance editor, um, and an English teacher who writes a blog called kgreen.blog, which we will link underneath uh, the video. And a lot of us have experienced big changes as a result of the dispersal of the left and of left activism since Labour lost the election big time in um, general election 2019. And some of us have had a compounded experience of this loss of belonging as a result of our feminist activism sort of layered on top of that you know that initial loss really of the left as, as a as a cohesive unit um, and Kay now describes herself as an underground lefty feminist and the bane of Hastings Borough Council which I love <laughs> like to hear more about that and um, so welcome to the show thank you for coming thank on and um, so my first question is about how that feels really is there a sense of disorientation or loss or I mean how quickly has all of this changed for you personally Okay, um, yeah, I, I better just say, um, talking about the last five years, which is, I think, about the length of time I've been involved in this, I, I started out very much with, with a 
Labour Party oriented views. And that's changed over time. <laughs> I love the Labour Party about as much as any other socialist does at the moment. But you will find me talking about what it was like in the Labour Party in a lot of those years and then more out in the world as things changed. But it wasn't fast for me. It was more gradual. Um, it became a problem. Actually, the first time I was aware of it as a problem was 2017. I, I was a delegate at the conference in Brighton and somebody told me that there was a, a women's meeting, an emergency women's meeting, um, because there was a developing situation that impacted on women's rights and it didn't seem to be on the agenda of the conference at all. And strangely, a bunch of people protesting, saying that these women shouldn't be discussing women's rights at that party conference, <laughs> somewhat. So that was the beginning of it. Um, I was um, vice chair membership then, and it was around about that time also that I found a terrible row going on in Hastings Momentum. And as you say, this is a very complex issue. And when you walk into it for the first time, you generally think, well, what are you talking about? And people on the other side from where I ended up in this argument, before I'd even worked out what was going on, I was just asking ripple questions. And I immediately, I was a bigot, a Nazi, a transphobe, and I was just, I was laughing really. I said, what are you talking about? But it, it seems to have gone on in that time to the, to, until a lot of women have just given up with the left completely mm -hmm. because I mean we're a very lefty CLP and when I say I'm the bone of the council I'm talking about good socialists there but yeah. I'm on the outside now and they're still on the inside and I'm saying why are you not facing up to this issue and that that's terribly cruel so terrifying but uh, <laughs> for a couple of three years I was actually relatively quiet because I was trying to hold together a lefty CLP we had a very good candidate who was greener than the green candidate more socialist than most of the low party and we wanted to get him into Westminster so I was trying to tamp it all down mm. and gradually realizing that this welling up of, of mistreatment of women and everybody everywhere was just going shh, 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 shh. Mm. this is appalling this is not how you deal with bullying we've got to sort this out and it came to a head for me two years later, there was a women's place meeting on the fringe of the fringe of the 2019 conference. And I addressed that meeting in the honest attempt to explain, I'd studied it for two years by then. And my speech attempting to explain to people how this goes wrong, what people are thinking, what goes wrong, how people try and put through motions while half the room is still going, what are you talking about? And always laughing around. I, I tried to explain that gently, but I was doing so after the world transformed a lot, had, had called in a bunch of protesters who were banging on the windows and shouting, and basically just trying to completely wreck the meeting, not to mention wreck the community centre. <laughs> the police sat there and happily watched. So it was quite shocking. And then after Jeremy Corbyn had gone, I had no reason to be polite anymore. I mean, I thought. I mean, Jeremy Corbyn wasn't perfect, but he was the hope for socialism in the Labour Party. After he'd gone, I was just, I'm not going out with this, I'm really not. And I noticed when they had that leadership um, 
you know, when they were looking for Rebecca Long Bailey or Piers Darmore or whoever, and all the candidates were taking turns to say the dumbest things about this issue. And mm. Twitter was trending, expel me, because so many of the women realised all the candidates had been signing anti-women's rights things and threatening yeah. to expel anyone who spoke about women's rights. So, you mm-hmm. know, women in the Labour Party who were aware of it mm. would just go, well, kick me out then. Yes. And um, since then, my other lefty allegiances really struggled. And often I was just trying to advocate for a debate. Mm. And the LRC were very good for a long time. I got on with them after I'd lost a lot of other people. But then Mm -hmm. suddenly they put a statement up on their website saying um, that sexism is not necessarily anything to do with sex. I'm a feminist, for goodness sake. Am mm. I going to advocate for an organisation that's talking this sort of rubbish? Mm. So I was gradually slipping further and further and further out. I watched mm. Redline TV's attempt to discuss this recently and found Jackie Walker comparing us to racists. Mm. And um, <laughs> just, you know, I, I have to laugh now. Mm. I, Counterfire, I was involved with Counterfire for a while until one of their organization group said to me oh we can't do anything else about women's rights we can't do any more about women's rights because it hurts trans people how dare you frame it that way how yeah. dare you make this a battle of two sides with so many vulnerable people yeah but yeah i'm, I'm saying that at some length because it's not just me there, there are many many women who have gradually backed away from the left just yes. the left to be gathering and building yeah and that is a tragedy and it's because it's a complex issue and too many people think they don't need to waste their time trying to work out women's issues mm. they just say oh trans rights yes that must be great and that's as far as it goes we, we yes we need to discuss that overlap of the law we need to discuss that so mm. that we can solve it without a battle we're not being allowed to Mm. I'm not politically homeless. I mean, like a lot of women, I've, I've discovered a lot more about feminism over those years. I, I'm very involved with mm. several women's groups now, which are wonderful. They are socialists, they're environmentalists, they're anti-racist, they're anti-war, they're anti-austerity, they're everything the left should be. Yeah. And I think we're going to get to a point where we regroup there in such numbers that hopefully some of the, the left groups will begin to talk to some of the women's groups. I would recommend Philia or the Women's Place or, you know, the several Labour Party women's groups. What's wrong mm. with talking to the Labour Women's Declaration? Yeah. Labour won't yeah. even let them have a store at conference. No. This is the thing, isn't it? I, I remember what, when you were saying about um, you'd noticed when the leadership contest was in uh, full swing for the Labour Party and the various candidates we knew were being pressurised to sign up to this trans pledge, trans, um, whatever it was. And um, Starmer didn't, he didn't sign up to it, did he? I remember that was noticeable. He's he was protecting thinking, himself, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, because he, he was the, I think he was the only one who didn't. And I thought, well, maybe he's listening. Maybe he's having conversations. Maybe he's keeping his powder dry on that one um, because he's listening. And then we hear from him and from other front, you know, um, front benches within the Labour Party that we need more light and less heat. But the women that I hear from who've been trying to have these conversations with people within the Labour leadership are just, they're either getting completely stonewalled and ignored, brick walled, grey rock or whatever it is that you call it, just completely ignored. Or they'll have the meetings, it'll seem positive, they'll go away 
And not only does nothing change, but they will then come out and publicly within the media say something that takes things back yeah. ten, yeah. 10 steps Absolutely. further. And like you say, they're not allowing um, lesbian labour, um, Women's Place UK. Um, there's yeah, I, I made a list just before we got together of the groups that, that the left had called transphobic hate groups. Uh, yeah. and the great majority of them were formed by women of the left. The women yeah. of trade unions, women that they should be respecting and working with. Mm. And we've already said Labour Women's Declaration, Lesbian Labour, they were both started by yeah. largely by It's just so strange. There's, there's something so disingenuous about publicly saying you know, some 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 people within this debate are too aggressive or whatever, or they're not sensitive enough, and we need to have a calm and rational debate, and then refusing point blank to create the space for that debate to take place, to even really? allow anyone who has anything other than a pro-trans ideology point of view from having a stall at a at, at conference and making excuses about that, but just really dismissing it out of hand. It's, it's something so dishonest about it, yeah. I, a lot of people, they're just not comfortable dealing with a clash of rights. They're not comfortable dealing with women's issues. And they're, they're just aware that it's got very toxic. And they're just thinking, well, I don't want to mess up my political career mm. by getting involved in the battle. So I'll yeah. just hope that the women go away. Or just yeah. hope that trans people cope and find their own way. I mean, for goodness sake, there are yes. so many vulnerable groups here that need attention. Yes. And they're all being denied that by the devil. Yes, yeah. So for the sake of political popularity or what they think is going to bring them political popularity or political neutrality, they're just ducking and hoping that other women, you, me, others, will take the flack and take the fight on and so that they can stay quietly in the background. And in the meantime, as you say, there's women in prisons, there's children. Um, a lot of those children are, are gay, really. They're not non-gender, non-conforming. Um, and they're more likely to grow up to be gay rather than anything else, but they're being shoveled onto this sort of medicalized pathway. Um, clinicians are having to have, have had to go along with that without being able to speak up. Teachers, librarians with the drag queen stuff, you know, people are just, people are um, gagged on this issue. And the job of politicians, and particularly the job of left wing politicians, is to stick up for those gro groups and be a mouthpiece for them. And they're just absent, they're absent. Well, they're worse yeah. than absent. I mean, people often ask what we mean by gaslighting. And, and I think this is a very, very good way of demonstrating it. Yeah. That I, for example, took a delegation of women, it must be three years ago now, I think, I took a, a delegation of women to explain this to John McDonald. Yeah. And I, I told him, our brief at the time, was to explain why and how this has become toxic and what we need to do to, to open the door in the debate. I mean, I was very clear. I wasn't mm. coming to advocate one view or another. I was coming to try and open it up. Yeah. And I took um, six women with me, I think. They were all trade unionists. One was a trans woman. We had a range of opinions there, but we were all clear that we needed a, a, a women's rights debate and we needed some political analysis of the argument of rights, and we needed a new answer that worked for everyone. Mm. And John appeared to understand that perfectly. We had a really good conversation, notes were taken. He said he was going to get a 
committee together to look into it and really understand the issue. I felt like we were home and dry. We all went away and went, hooray, that's that sorted. And next time he opened his mouth anywhere, he didn't appear to understand the first thing about it. He didn't appear to be interested in it. Mm. And this has happened to so many women. Mm. I reckon just about every MP we have has been visited by cohorts of women on one side or other or one part mm. or other of this issue. They mm. go away and the MPs it doesn't even know what a cervix is next time someone not. I mean, <laughs> it does drive you mad. Yes, <laughs> and that's the... That meeting. That's what you mean by gaslighting. It yeah, can drive you yeah. insane because you could think, well, we had that conversation. They seemed to yeah. understand. We thought yeah. we had a plan of action and then just nothing, nothing at all. Yeah, it's really yeah. strange. Is there an yeah. inevitable clash between women's rights and trans rights, would you say? Not at all. No. And from most people's point of view, there wasn't a problem until uh, I think it was Stonewall that were first up with the self-ID demand and that, that self, self-identification in this context means this isn't a person who's changed sex this is a person who's just realized that in sex inside they've always been the other sex now they've declared it you must believe it regardless of who they are regardless of whether you think they're doing it in good faith you must believe it because they've said it that's what self-id is about mm. and that is the point where it makes a nonsense of, of mm. women's physical and legal status because mm. what is a woman now? You know, people make a joke of that. People ask a politician these days, what is a woman? And they go, oh my God, don't ask me that question. I'm not going to do what the answer is. Mm. How can we negotiate and further our rights with politicians that panic when mm. they hear what is a woman? Mm. They, don't, mm. they can't even frame the, the subject we're supposed to be talking about. So I would yeah. say, particularly to the left here, where is your materialist analysis? You can give practical, good socialist protection to trans people without agreeing to this fairy tale that, that there is no concrete physical reality to sex. All you have to do is put all that aside and say, okay, we recognize biological sex. We also recognize that trans people have a problem now analysis that's what you have to do yeah dawn butler actually came yeah dawn butler's that of of, there's a sort of um a long list isn't there of just really quite strange things that labor politicians have actually blurted out when they've been put on the spot but the one that got me the most was dawn butler saying that babies are born without a sex this is something that we've very very much heard from this trans ideology stonewall sort of um dogma is that not only is set as gender identity it can be fluid it can change from minute to minute and the whole world has to just fall in line with whatever someone thinks they are in a particular moment it's not just about gender identity that it but it's also about sex and that sex is also fluid and that there's no such thing as just binary male or female and it's almost it's almost bizarre isn't it to hear people who are elected representatives at a national level saying babies are born without a sex you know it's just yeah. crackers it, really it is really crazy and dawn butler i mean is a good example because she was on the shadow cabinet when mm. the 2019 manifesto was put together yeah and i know that that was mainly done by the policy people not the mps themselves but my goodness they would have gone over it and discussed it and voted on it and I think that manifesto was really intelligent because mm-hmm. it, on the women's page, it made a very clear statement that we need to uphold 
2010 yeah. Equality Act is one of the best equality acts in the world. We need to uphold it, we need to learn to interpret it on behalf of women. Mm. Further on, on the LGBT page, it acknowledged that the call for self-ID, it said, okay, you know, we support that idea, but a lot of work is still needed. In other words, we can't quite see how to do it. So they were actually acknowledging both sides and mm. acknowledging that that debate hasn't happened. Yes. So that was a very intelligent manifesto. It was like putting a work in progress sticker on the whole topic. Mm-hmm. But the fact that MPs three years later still don't get that, mm. is, you know, they've dumped that manifesto now and they haven't got any further, is in itself mm. huge insult to women and it is. to trans people. Mm-hmm. Well, I think so. <laughs> yeah um because yeah because that, that almost the way that that in sticker in progress sticker was placed on it it's a way of sort of saying well yeah it's not possible to uphold women's rights as they are if we are saying that it's possible to change sex but we don't want to be mean and not allow people to live the life that they want to live you know sort of as far as is possible without without causing harm to others kind of thing so it's it's just such a shame that 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 de- whole debate was leapfrogged over, that we've never had an opportunity to really yeah. have that discussion properly. Well, even when they first put, in, put the um, Gender Recognition Act in, through Parliament, if you look at the Mansard from that time, mm-hmm. it, I mean, obviously, we had a male majority in Parliament, so already women are distanced from, from that decision. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the Mansard debates at the time, a lot of them were sticking there already and clearly hadn't bothered to understand what they were talking about even then. Mm. A lot of trans people are not particularly happy with the way the GRP works. A lot of women have only just found out the yeah. way it works. So, you know, the whole thing has been neglected, even when they're supposed to be dealing with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's a sexism issue. I think that's the most obvious thing that I've learned. Mm. Um, so can those... Do you think those two ideas can work together? We can we can support trans rights, well, people's right to identify however they please, and women's rights. What you mean by that? We need definitions. We need to work out the parameters. Mm-hmm. There is going to be some disagreement around that inevitably, but most of the disagreement will go when you've got your definitions right. Yes, yeah. I've talked this through several times with several different trans women, a couple of whom are really good friends of mine. Yeah. And we don't find it that hard with most of the issues that come up. We don't find it that hard to see our way to at least the beginnings of an answer. Mm -hmm. And we just feel that it seems impossible because all people do is tell women to shut up. Yeah. And that, and so that meeting that you were talking about at the at the start of the interview, that was that the Women's Place UK meeting that took place during the twenty nineteen conference. Twenty nineteen, yeah. yeah, yeah, that was the one where we had yeah. the, the folks trying to break up the place. Yeah, yeah, uh, nightmare. I uh, I've seen the videos of it. I was actually there in Brighton. Socialist. I didn't. I, yeah, I was going to go along to it. I knew there was going to be a big protest. I knew there was probably going to be aggro, and I had another thing. That I was at and I couldn't make it along and, and after I'd seen it afterwards I thought I wish I would have gone along to it because it was such an important mm-hmm. thing that those women did actually having that meeting and getting together yeah, however unpleasant it so. was you know yeah and I think yeah. that people were quite 
actually galvanised by that as well. There's a lot of women yeah. there who have been on the left for, for decades. Yeah. And just thinking, why on earth is mm. the left attacking us without yeah. asking questions first? Mm. They weren't surprised they were attacking because somebody mm. told them we were a bunch of fascists and that there's a lot of people on the left that are anti-Christ It works in its place. Mm-hmm. I mean, Liverpool's very good at keeping the fascists out of the city. I love watching all that. <laughs> but they hadn't asked the question. They were yeah. attacking yeah. their own people. Yeah. And yeah. that was what was so crazy. And it was actually a very specific group of people. And this is why I sound so angry so much of the time. Because there's a very... When I say there's a lot of vulnerable people in this campaign, I would like people to be aware of who speaks out on the women's rights side of this issue because it's very specific. And as a, as a, um, a CLP officer at the start, I saw this and I was absolutely first mystified and then horrified. But the people who were getting attacked, the people who were getting bullied for saying, actually, I think women's spaces are quite important, mm. are usually rape survivors. Yeah. They usually understand why women need to be confident that they're in an all-female environment, at mm-hmm. least during the, the post-rape crisis period. Mm-hmm. They were people who were gay or lesbian and had been told, how dare you say you only fancy people of a certain sex. They might be the other sex inside. You should accommodate them. Mm-hmm. Which is actually like taking away gay rights. Yes, That's yes. why the lesbian... Gay, uh, what is it? LGB Alliance, Lesbian yes, Gay and yes. Alliance. That's why that was founded by people who used to be central to Stonewall because they yes. are gay and they are lesbian and they are saying they're walking all over us. That's yeah. why that group yeah. was formed. Yeah. And, and how yeah. dare the left attack them? They're another one who's been listed as an anti trans hate group. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, so you've you've got rape survivors, you've got traumatised women, you've got women who've been in prison and know what it's like to be Mm -hmm. trapped with people you're afraid of Mm -hmm. and see what's happening to prisons and they're terrified. Mm -hmm. You've also got autistic people who have a very black and white view of the world in some ways, Mm -hmm. who are generally quite intellectually sophisticated. Mm. and can see this nonsense for what it is and then mm. they get told oh wait, you've got to say this you've got to believe that and it just mm. completely mm. just hits all the yeah. buttons for people it's horrible and yes. they get for, for, for saying what they see in front of them yeah and the same way um people who've detransitioned um oh. get bullied sometimes as well and get ostracized yeah. um, and trans people who don't agree with stonewall they're, absolutely they're the, they're the wrong kind of trans yeah 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 I, I know that um for purposes of balance uh, one of the left shows that did say we're going to be brave and cover this issue you know it's not going to be a no-go area for us they wouldn't have the show without trans people on to talk from that perspective when trans people knew that two left women were going on to talk about this from a women's rights perspective. They said they backed out, they wouldn't go on the show. So there was a a moment where no one was sure whether that show was actually going to go ahead because the hosts wouldn't do it without it being balanced. Um, The women were willing to do it from the women's rights point of view, but the trans um, people guests had had decided that they didn't want to be on the show. And uh, a couple of trans people were happy to go on and talk from their trans perspective, but they weren't allowed on because they were considered the wrong kind of trans because they weren't on arguing for this extremist gender ideology so it's almost an exact parallel with what happened with jvl 
and the whole anti-Semitism thing, yeah. they were designated as the wrong kinds of Jew, you yeah. know, because they didn't agree. They didn't agree with the J JLM or whatever, you know. So it, it's kind of, there's all the, the incredible parallels across there the way are. that this has been conducted. It's quite disturbing, yeah. really, that people can't see it. It's quite yeah. central to JBL. And yeah. she and I often compare notes and just stare at each other in absolute horror. Yes. It's, yes. It's yes. the same kind of weapon. Tactics. It's a weapon against the left, and I mm -hmm. wish the left would wake up and realise that. Yeah. So make a one point, just one point in those similarities. Mm -hmm. This idea that there is a certain group in the Labour Party who know exactly what Jewish people think, and any yeah. Jewish yeah. people who think anything different to that are anti-Semitic. Mm -hmm. That is precisely what these mm. LGBTQ plus groups are doing to trans people. Mm. I know trans people that kind of want self-ID to work, but they'd like to negotiate it rather than have a fight because the whole idea for them is that they want to be able to get on with women. Mm -hmm. I know trans people who actually don't want self-ID at all because it means they will be exposed to people who are just saying they're a woman for predatory reasons and that frightens them. Mm -hmm. I know trans people who are completely pro self ID but are worried about how to get there because mm -hmm. I know one trans woman, I still say that so you know what I'm talking about, who has actually rescinded the word woman for the duration of the campaign because, you know, she says it's just too confusing for everyone. Mm -hmm. And I mean, yeah. most trans people yeah. would hate that. But the thing is, there's a whole range of opinions amongst trans people. How dare anyone! Say, mm -hmm. oh, I know what trans people think, and you're against them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is yeah. actually transphobic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, there are uh, some debates across the women's rights network about the extent to which language is important. Um, mm. Some women feel strongly that by colluding with the erosion of women's language um, and by observing preferred pronouns, that we're blurring some important lines that keep us safe as women and that mm. keep children safe potentially. So yeah. thinking from that perspective, which which would almost certainly be held down as transphobic on the left, mm. um, is that however well-intended if we muddy the waters and then we bow to pressure to modify or change language. So, um, you know, uh, some examples of that people who are arguing the perspective um, might might give are that we unintentionally, by trying to kind of avoid being called mean, we make it difficult for women who've been raped, who don't want to refer to the abuser as mm -hmm. she or her in court. So like if we're taking this wholesale thing of like, if you're a trans person who says that you are a woman everyone in the world has to literally now decide that you're a woman and in every sphere of life in every circumstance you have the same rights as a woman including how we address you how the media addresses you how the courts address you how your crimes are recorded where you're housed you know if you go to prison and etc so there's some people that say if we if we don't speak clearly about who the men are who the women are and why differences between sex matter, then we are taking those rape victims' voices um, and the ability for courts and, and reporters and the public reading the newspaper to see this clearly and for us to record it clearly in statistics, etc. It's the thin end of the wedge and that actually we need to retain our language very clearly about sex differences, whatever people want to do with regards to their gender. I mean, what, where do you sit on that? Because not everybody agrees. Some people are happy to yeah. use she, her for somebody who, who says they're a she, her, you know, um, other people do it sometimes, not all the time. And other women just will not entertain it at all because they see it as, 
um, eroding our, sa our safety and our ability to, to be safe and feel safe. All right, well, to be honest, I disagree with myself on this sometimes. It, it is extremely difficult, and I think some people have actually made it difficult deliberately by shuffling words around as fast as you speak. But my aim always is to speak respectfully and honestly. But I'm a human, I fail on both those counts sometimes. On this issue, it's almost impossible to do both. You know, if I want to be honest, I'm going to end up saying something that's going to infuriate someone. Um, trans people all have different views about what matters and how they want it dealt with. But the fact is that after a lot of hard work and expense and going several times through the courts, women have re-established that compelled speech is illegal, that sometimes people need to say what they feel, say what they see, and that has to be allowed for women and girls who've been sexually or violently mistreated, as you've said yourself. Sometimes they're gonna say what they feel, they're gonna say what happened to them and someone somewhere is gonna take issue with it. And to be honest, the cries of transphobia around misgendering resembles what women experience in an abusive relationship where they're stumbling words, maybe mistaken words, or maybe a little bit too honest for the moment, those words are treated as though they are worse than the actual violence that they have experienced. Again, that is gaslighting. And if you're doing it to abuse survivors, quite honestly, I think it's criminal. Mm. So, you know, we've got to be less fussy. Mm. We've got to be able to talk honestly. Yeah. Not always perfect. Obviously, intention is everything. If people are intending to hurt or intending to be rude, I will take issue with That's my benchmark. Mm. The difficulty as well, I think, is that you're not necessarily, the, the whole thing about the trans definition, we haven't nailed that down in the same way that we've got problems with the definition of woman. Well, we, ha we haven't, but there, ha there have been. It makes it yeah. difficult to have a fair debate and decide what yeah. the ground rules are if, we don't, if we're not clear about that. So, because at the moment, trans includes a whole group a whole group of people it's people who have genuine gender dysphoria we know from the outcomes from the interim Tavistock um, review that it also in all likelihood now includes a load of girls who don't like their bodies a load of gay kids who would grow up to be gay um, who are gender non-conforming you know who aren't actually trans and who may a few years down the line then be going through a painful detransition process um, as far as they can you know with irreversible changes to their bodies um, a lot of kids who are autistic um, men who have fetishes um, you know people who are just into cross-dressing all of these different things are included within this umbrella trans so we can't really adapt the whole of the English language until we've exactly agreed on well who do we mean which group of people are we talking mm -hmm. about and um and we've been realistic as well, the fact that, you know, people are going to identify into that umbrella group for malign purposes. Um, and how are we going to respond in terms of our language? Is it fair for us to expect people to change their language when we know that that's a factor as well? It's kind of, it's a huge debate, again, that we haven't yet been able to, to have. And there are real life implications for people who are vulnerable or who've been damaged. Um, um, so. I want to make a comparison with the way we deal with the class struggle yeah because it is actually a part of that and people perhaps aren't seeing that but 
I've said several times, I said to you the other day, that the left is vulnerable to wrong ideas in a way, because if you are on the left, you've got an idea, you have to hang on to it. You know that you're going to have to fight off a million and one people trying to make you think it's wrong, trying to make the world think you're bad. The left are used to that. And they don't change their ideas easily because they will assume that someone's trying to fool them because usually they are. Hmm. Um, I've been thinking about that a lot with the way journalists and the politicians have been literally gaslighting railway workers all the mm. time, talking to, to cleaners on the railway who's struggling with the minimum wage as though they are drivers earning mm. 30, 40 grand a year or whatever it is. And mm. they know they're doing it. Mm. And people have to be stubborn to survive on the left and to survive that fight. Mm. So I get why they can't just say, oh, yeah, sorry, this isn't what I thought it was. That's mm. a big part of this issue. They'd rather mm. attack the women. Mm. But what many people didn't get with anti-Semitism and what they're not getting with this now is that there is a deliberate attack going on, a deliberate gaslighting, a yeah. deliberate setting up of smoke and mirrors. Dishonesty. Yeah. Right. And yeah. I think, you know, if somebody brings in something that looks like gay liberation battle, looks yeah. like a simple rights issue, yeah. and are left to defend it, they're not going to listen to anyone who says, actually, no, I want to talk about that. Mm. I think as well, what confuses it as well is that a lot of the people on the right, not everybody, but a lot of the people on the right who um, oppose trans ideology, they don't necessarily oppose it because of the damage that it potentially can do, you know, to women's rights or women in vulnerable situations or mm -hmm. uh, children or whatever. Sometimes if they're coming from that right wing perspective, it's just because they oppose, they, they, they're, they're socially conservative and that they're not. Yeah you know, open-minded enough uh, to be accepting of different people and how different people want to express themselves. But for but for some of the people on the right who have a problem with this, as well as most of us on the left who have a problem with this, it's really nothing to do with social conservatism. You know, it's a real issue. Yeah. But I think it, as long as the um, representations on the media are inaccurate and gaslighting and unfair, I think it it kind of, that there's no one sticking up for there's no one really sticking up for that socially liberal women's rights perspective at, at all. But there never you know, was, was there? I mean, yeah, feminism yeah. has always been, I mean, the goal of feminism is to blow gender out the water. The goal of feminism is to say, stop labeling people masculine. Absolutely. Yeah, stereotypes. Yeah. The mainstream, the establishment has always fought back against that because yes. gender is great for selling things. Yes. If you've got a little baby girl and a little baby boy, you've got to buy two of everything because if the boy's one is a girl colour, you'll probably grow up mm -hmm. weird. You know, I mean, all this mm -hmm. rubbish that comes out mm. is about selling gender, is about selling stuff. Mm. So being a feminist on the left, it used to be about trying to challenge gender stereotypes, didn't yeah. it? It used to be about trying to dismantle some of that, but a lot of the trans ideology is based on precisely that gender stereotypes, the, the kinds Absolutely. of things that on the left we wanted to do away with. How has that changed? How has yeah. that? I just, it's really strange. Yeah. I think the world's just got so much more sexist and mm. sexualized. Yeah. We've got a generation of kids who've grown up just 
imbued by that. It's no mm. wonder they start believing they have their own internal gender identity. It's been mm. stuffed down their throats since they were babies. Mm. And that's where it all goes wrong. You, know, you were saying before about the, the parallels with, um, with abuse. So it, it, that is really quite strong, isn't it? We've got, if you've got um, women who are, who are socially uh, liberal, but strong on women's rights, strongly opposed to gender stereotyping, arguing for the retention of women's rights or the reinstatement, because it's not even just retention, is it? In some cases, we've lost, no. we've lost our it protections already. Yeah. yeah. So it's like people have identified that, you know, Stone's yeah. instructions to companies go way beyond the law. Yes. So a lot of companies are not allowing women. Yeah. So it's not even about retention of, yeah. of what we've won. It's it's already unraveled to quite a large extent that a lot of people yeah. don't realise. And the tactics that are used again, um, there are those parallels, not just with the anti-Semitism witch hunt, but also with um domestic abuse really and the coercion and the abuse that takes place. Yeah. So we've got othering, um, we've got mirroring. So the kinds of things that are genuine concerns of ours we get yeah. mirrored back at us <laughs> you know as um well, yeah, almost like I in mean, a competitive fashion um, yeah. there's name calling there's ostracizing there's isolating there's verbal and physical intimidation there's co-option of any and all safe harbors there's character assassination outright barefaced lying which is gaslighting again um complete disregard for viewpoints and feelings like all of these kinds of things are the kinds of things that you would hear a woman who's been in an abusive relationship describing it's the same yeah. sort of tactic it, that's what it feels like I mean do you have any has it surprised you to see those kinds of tactics being used by people who claim to be on the left politically <laughs> have you seen a new side to the left through through it's this? been an education hasn't it the last five years I have learned so much. Well, that's why the women's movement is burgeoning yeah because I mean Sexism is invisible to people until they start learning what, what their son has done and start seeing it. And once mm. they start seeing it, they can't stop seeing it. Mm. And for me now, I mean, I wouldn't call myself a radical feminist, but I now allow my politics to be informed by radical feminists and, and political lesbians as well, because they are the ones that have always seen it most clearly. Yeah. And that have done all the writing and all the research, and they are right. Mm. I mean, women mm. are absolutely cornered in so many ways in our society by all the assumptions that are laid down before we even walk in the room. Yeah. yeah, they're the ones who've had our backs as women yeah. all of this time, yeah. haven't they? Yeah, yeah. Um, what motivates you most strongly then? to write and to act on this issue because it's not an easy area it would be so much easier wouldn't it just to step back I mean god knows we've got enough trials and tribulations most of us in our lives to not need to take on another fight oh god yeah <laughs> I mean what? I really tried not to to start with as I say as a CLP officer with, with a, a lefty candidate we wanted to get into parliament the last thing I wanted to do was to try and stop battle over sexism Mm -hmm. but you can't help it I mean I do joke a little bit that I was vice chair membership and when, when I was given that job I was told oh it's your job to look after the membership and I thought they meant it I was like yeah we had a couple of thousand people in our CLP and I thought I was supposed to be looking after them not just counting them yeah <laughs> but anyway um you know it it did emerge as a bullying issue so it, I would simply not have been doing my duty if I and they, mm -hmm. they were picking out vulnerable people and they were sending sexual 
violent abusive messages they were trying to get people off committees and get them out of their political role mm-hmm. you can't ignore that sort of thing and you know also I'm, I'm a gender non-conformist I always have been I, I may well be a little bit autistic there's a lot of it in my family and as a kid I found gender expectations impossible to understand and conform to mm. so you know, I'm naturally in sympathy with people who find themselves cornered by gender and who need to look for a different way of living. That's probably why I do have some trans friends. Mm. I get that. Mm-hmm. Um, and quite honestly, very few women are anti-trans. It's like a lot of women often have gay friends. I think it's the same with that. They're recognised. What trans women friend of mine called gender refugee. Mm-hmm. I think oh wow, that's a good one. That yeah, they, they try to help. Yeah, that's so a good term. To call those women anti-trans because they're trying to talk about sex is is divisive. It's cruel and it's stupid. They're mm. socialists. Mm. You can almost guarantee they're not anti any group of people. Socialists yeah. have learned that. Yeah. So would you be able then from from that perspective as well to give us some more examples of what you mean by silencing and gaslighting and kind of how you've seen that play out on the left within your local CLP, etc. Okay. Um well I've got a particular story in my mind now because it's been running for about four years and I think it's finally coming to a head and it's why I made that comment I did about head and council. There's a woman in our CLP who, she's a counsellor, she's a feminist, she's a socialist, she's an internationalist who's travelled on trade union projects, she's done all sorts of trade union work. Um, so really, she's everything a lefty CLP would want. But three, four years ago, she said something on Facebook that annoyed the director of the local pride group. Now, this wasn't anything extreme. She's not one of these people who's been bashing feminism all over social media. It was just a, a comment or a sharing a women's meeting. And anyway, she did this terrible thing. She said something on Facebook that suggests she supported women's rights. And um, the director of Hyde declared on their Facebook page that she is not fit for office. Mm-hmm. And had done so with several other women in the CLP when they started sounding a bit feminist. That this was with a, a councillor who was, you know, in office at the time, and it, it all got a bit awkward. But to this day, her name is featured on a denouncement on the local Pride website. Mm-hmm. That she's mm-hmm. written off with no evidence. She's mm-hmm. written off as a transphobe. She was denounced by name from the stage at Pride last summer, and you know, all kinds of problems have come out. And in May, the May elections this year, the, the little group around Pride, they finally got their wishes and, and managed to get her pushed out of the council. She lost her seat. Um, that hasn't all this terrible stuff going on, and she's not the only one, but her story in particular, it's never been discussed in the CLP. They've never even had a discussion about what this problem stems from. They just mm-hmm. let it happen. During that year, the council very, very quietly and shyly and nervously ran a standards committee hearing. And they concluded that she'd been bullied, 
Mm. Her standing in the community had been damaged. They were clear about that, but they didn't make a public statement. Mm. They very, very quietly released redacted minutes, so tucked away on the council website that nobody even knew what it was all about. Mm. And the CRP still said nothing. The CRP watched one of their members being pushed off the council, bullied and mistreated, and ignored it. Mm. Not just ignored it, but tried to stop her speaking about it. Mm. And then this week, a year on from that grand public denouncement, the CLP officer sends an invite out to all the councillors and all his fellow officers, including her, inviting them to the summer club. Mm. Now, this is gaslighting. Mm. Remember, her name is still on the local pride website. It's, it's still like there. Target on her forehead, you know, listed as a transphobe. She's mm. invited to this year's Pride. She sent a reply to all councillors and CLP officers saying how could she safely attend Pride in these circumstances. Mm. And these are unevidenced accusations, you know, mm. but they're, they're on the site as if they know that she's the devil. Personally, I say how can any of them, how can any Hastings councillor go to Pride this summer without challenging that situation. That's why I call myself the main mm. Hastings Council, because they don't seem to have that. It's really um, important to speak up and challenge, because it's well, like yeah. you say, what they're hoping is that it can just quietly go away. And that kind of behaviour, and that kind of damage to someone's reputation, but also to their mental and emotional well-being, potentially. And this know. is all over the country. This has happened to hundreds of women. Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. And, and we're, not hearing, this... we're not hearing about it. Yeah. No, I mean, we are beginning to, but I mean, in Hastings, as I say, I quite like our councillors. They're not evil people. Mm -hmm. They are beginning to find their way. She tells me they seem to be beginning to find their way. Yeah. To it. They haven't done anything yet. Yeah. But, you know, she's been through a year of misery and frustration. The Labour yes. lost her seat. They may have lost two seats. I mean, they lost their former council leader at the same time, which has mm. been ignoring all requests people mm. want to know what's going on so and labor has lost so much credibility as mm. well it's mm. just stupid and cruel there's a lot of good old-fashioned sexism going on isn't there and it seems there we're hearing the gaslighting as well as it's along the lines of you know we're being told that this is the the that the attacks on trans rights are equivalent to section 28 a section 28 rerun when yeah. as soon as we start to look at it and unpick it a little bit it becomes apparent that it's not an equivalent of that at all nobody was trying to take women's rights no one was trying to mm. erode women's rights no one was saying mm. you're going to be in a less safe position you're already you already live within a misogynistic society where you're at greater physical risk we're now going to change things so that you're at even greater physical risk but if you complain about that you're going to be yelled at you know as a, a hateful bigot um, you're going to be publicly denounced you know some of you are going to be sacked from your jobs these traumas against women almost that that is equivalent to the kind of trauma that people who were gay were probably feeling around the time of section yeah. 28 we're being gaslit into into thinking that actually it's it's you know, it's it's another group that are feeling that trauma. What rights don't trans people have? What don't they have that they that they need? <laughs> That's a good question. I mean, our Equality Act has a section on gender reassignment. To be honest, it's not 
that. Ah, yeah, it needs tweaking. Yeah, it was made by men. Yeah, they didn't understand half the issues. I get that. But what the current campaigners are saying, and I think this is gives us in Stonewall and various groups, but what they're saying, because we're supposed to actually genuinely believe that whether they've had an operation or not, whether they've done this or that or not, we have to believe these people are identical to biological women. And on those grounds, they're saying that it's the, the section on gender reassignment in the Equality Act that protects them from discrimination is not good enough. They want the section on sex to apply to trans women as women. They want the section on sexual orientation to apply to trans people as lesbians. They want all those sections to apply to them in the same way that they would someone who's biological woman. This is a huge problem for women, especially lesbians, and especially mm. kids who are beginning to think maybe that they're going with lesbians. Mm. There's no one to advocate for them anymore. There are no noticeable single-sex services for, for gay and lesbian kids where they know that they're going to get welcomed by someone who understands mm. what single-sex orientation means. And that don't forget I mean, um, this is not just me making this up. This is my most socialist trans woman friend said to me that this is downright unfair to transsexual people. They're not even allowed to call themselves transsexual before. That's old-fashioned, apparently. Mm -hmm. suggests that you've had an operation and often not don't like that suggestion. Mm -hmm. But it is unfair to them because they've basically been dragged onto the field of battle that they never intended to have. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so it's unfair to just about everyone, mm. I think. Mm. I mean, the actual conflicted area, males who want to self-identify as women with no safeguarding, that is the part where, when they say trans rights, that is the part where they want a change in the law so that people who haven't had an operation, who aren't defining themselves, who aren't any way special or different, they need to be given complete access to women's rights, politics, positions. And the example that I like using, people like Eddie Izzard, who seems to be kind of part-time women. You know, he went back when there was a good male acting role turned up, that, oh, I'll go back and be a man this week. And everybody said, oh, how great you are, how progressive you are. Hmm. That doesn't fit with, I demand to be treated identically as a woman, because you're not acting. No. And if you can identify into women's oppression and then back out of it as it suits, it's kind of, in, in a sense, it's kind of, I don't know, you wouldn't do that with any other protected characteristic that wouldn't be allowed to happen. It would be very much frowned upon. Why is it different for women? You know, you just have to ask that question, I think. And I think that's the point. I think people aren't treating women as an oppressed group. I'm no. Absolutely refuse to consider the possibility that, that women are a sex class, but I mm. think we need to, mm. because that is what people are understanding, that we need our section of the Equality Act every bit as badly as, as all mm. the others. See, without any further refinement of the law, even without that, even with the law as it stands now, there's a protected uh, characteristic of gender reassignment and there's the existing protected characteristic of sex which is a separate one um, and then there's the separate one for L lesbian people who are lesbian and gay and bisexual 
So, but even without, without changing that any further, sex as a protected characteristic has already almost disappeared, hasn't it? In real in practice, terms yeah. and purpose. Yeah. So do we potentially need to actually just be campaigning to scrap the GRA and start again with a proper evidence-based conversation about what kinds of oppressions that, that women face as a sex and, and, you know, how society might need to reshape so that people who identify as trans, some of them it's going to be long term, some of them are going to have surgery, some of them aren't, some of them are going to detransition because they really shouldn't have transitioned in the first place, um, some of them are going to be there for nefarious reasons. If we can have a look at that realistically and say, right, how can we keep that group of people safe, people that are identifying in and out of it, like Eddie Izzard does, how do we, um, you know, and, and people who aren't, and, and people who are born female what do their set of oppressions look like and how can we make sure that everyone's catered for as 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 safely as possible is that it would that I be think, a better political line than you know um trying to stick with the mess that we've got let's put it that because it's a mess that is a mess. always yeah. the problem with the law isn't it we're, yeah. we're always patching on new ideas and, and trying to force them into our patterns so yeah I see what you mean but at the same time it's very emotive isn't it there's a mm. group of people who will start yelling the minute you say let's scrap the GRA there's a group of people who will start yelling the minute you say let's scrap or change the Equality Act so I think first what we need to do is focus on that debate and get people to a position of really understanding mm. because I don't think I mean we're never going to get everybody in the country pay attention obviously but no but women women are quite a lot of yeah women are quite a lot of those people <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> you know and these these aren't small impacts you know mm. I, I just oh, I, so aren't we on the left supposed to be good at equalities? Like, how can we be so bad at this? Because I thought this was our thing. <laughs> it depends what your starting point is, isn't it? I mean, I was intensely interested by what I now call the BLM summer, which is a bit of a tease because Keir Starmer cheekily called it a moment and other people think it's a movement that's going on. But around the time of the, the Colston statue coming down, BLM were doing those events all around the country. For me, it was a huge education. I, I was appalled by how much I'd missed until I really listened to all that. Mm -hmm. I cheerfully go around saying, oh, well, I'm not racist. I hadn't realised the huge difference between I'm not racist and I am an anti-racist. I hadn't realised how much I had to learn. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I actually made a point of asking for a coffee meet with, with our BAME officer, as they called themselves the Labour Party at that time, and say, I'm sorry, I missed so much. And we both got quite emotional, you know. And... Um, we need the world to do that in relation to what women are going through as well, to realise that this isn't a side issue, this isn't a yeah. minor issue, this is enormous. Most of our women, one mm -hmm. way or another, have been abused. Most yeah. of our women are suffering from that. Yes. Sexualised society. Yeah. So maybe we've, have, maybe we've assumed on the left. Yeah. yeah. We've assumed that there's an understanding of what sexism is, and we've just never actually gone into it in enough yeah. detail and depth, really. It's been a, maybe a question of, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We understand that. We'll have some more women's shortlists sorted, done. And the conversation maybe hasn't been had properly and thoroughly. Yeah. 
I, I mean, someone who was quite high profile on the left, on social media, a male, um, announced that they'd resigned from the Labour Party today. And in the, and they put online, you know, their resignation speech. And they've notably kept right away from this issue. Um, and they put in there something about, you know, all of, all of the bottom line for them was the lack of democracy and how that was being, um, you know, the, the, the Starmer's leadership were just driving a truck you know, coaching horses through democracy, and they and they didn't hadn't they had no respect, and they weren't even pretending. But really, that's an issue that's been ongoing within the Labour Party for a long, long time. Even when Corbyn was, you know, leading the Labour Party, there were people that were scapegoated and that were um, let down, you know, um, and treated unfairly. So it's not it's not even a new thing from when when the left were in control. And they'd said within their reasoning of why they were leaving the Labour Party that. Um, it wasn't it wasn't because of this one issue or that one issue, because things like um, they didn't say the trans rights debate, but something like um, identity politics or something like that mm. uh, would resolve itself would be, you know, and I thought this is just so such a cop out to say this will resolve itself. It will not resolve itself without people being prepared to put their head above the parapet and take a position <coughs> and explain why they're taking that position. And if you don't agree with us, fine, but at least tell us why, mm. at least have the courtesy to say, you know, and to debate with us, you know, to, to go through the evidence with us. It's just there's so much cowardice and so again. much avoidance. It's it's quite yeah. sickening. I, I, and that yeah. again parallels with a lot of the anti-racism work that, that people of colour in this country are coming in. Infuriates me. Now I see it. It infuriates me with, with the race thing as much as it does with the sex thing. Yes. That a bunch yes. of activists will work and work and work. They work through their lives. Some of them give their lives to this movement. Mm -hmm. And then things move forward a bit and people say, oh, it sorted itself out then. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You don't see what these people, I mean, women have been going through the courts, they've been yes. months and months and months <laughs> trying to gather without being sabotaged. They've been yes. people who won't listen, it's incredibly hard. Been attacked work. by people who are black masked, yes. um, head to toe. It's like, <laughs> All these little ninjas we yeah. get out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It really? Yeah. It's but, incredible what's been happening to women and how silent so many people on the left who we looked up to, who we thought were principled, who we thought were on the right side of history, have been willing to either go against women and con conveniently ignore the impacts, you know, on vulnerable women, on vulnerable children, on working class women, etc., or completely stay out keep their head down and stay out of it altogether you know if there was if yeah. you just can't help thinking if there was any other oppressed group who was being attacked and vilified and deplatformed in the same way that we have been that they'd have had something to say about that you know it's just so bizarre i do wonder sometimes i do wonder i mean obviously different people are different and we must remember when we're saying this i mean there's been studies in westminster and elsewhere and actually the left are better than average. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it is still the case that socialism does help you see these things. But perhaps that's why we're saying, oh my God, there's so much I haven't seen yet. But these things do happen to black people. They do happen to gay and lesbian people. They happen to disabled people. Ageism, mm. it's enormous. Mm. You have to be an older woman. And then you happen to be disabled or black or something. Just yeah, but we stick up for every oppressed group under the sun, apart from working class people. 
Well, yeah, there's no time <laughs> women, for that. I'm sorry. The class women, yeah. come after the revolution. How does that work, huh? <laughs> so how <laughs> important... Take it back around, perhaps, because that brings us back to that thing about materials analysis. Okay, can I just say, I think this is what the left needs to do on all these issues now. We need solidarity. We all need to be fighting the class struggle. But that needs to be informed by an actual materials analysis of what people are going through. And with each oppressed group, you need to find the commonalities. You need to recognise what they are going through that you maybe can't see. Mm. And this is why it's vital to this discussion. Yes. Is that if you're looking at women, if you put just one male in that group of women when you're trying to find the commonalities, you won't find them. Mm. If yeah. you try and do that study when you're scared to define what you mean by a woman, you won't do the study properly. Mm. In, in effect, you can't do socialism if mm. you don't face up to this issue first. Yeah, we need, to, we need to stop being women-hating on the left. We need to stop doing that self-flagellation that we need to sort of recognise our own value and our own struggles and, and rate them more, you know, higher up on the list of things that are important to fight for, I think. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that is it. I mean, obviously, the class struggle is the thing. I know a lot of people see everything else as a part of identity politics, which is mm -hmm. a capitalist-created destruction on the whole. Mm -hmm. But there are those axes of, of oppression that need to be mm -hmm. addressed, and mm -hmm. sex is the, the first and the oldest and the biggest of those. Yeah. 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 But, you know, why are they all still so scared of it? Like, uh, can I ask you about that? Because, I mean, you were one of the signatures of the Labour Women's Declaration when you decided mm -hmm. to write at the start. Mm -hmm. And you said that you had problems with the Labour Party because of that. I mean, how did that pan out? <laughs> That's quite a long story, but um, I didn't sign it straight away. I was accused of signing it um, as a way of sort of jumping ship away from the people who'd sponsored me for election to the to the National Women's Committee, jumping ship away from CLPD onto Labour Women's Declaration. And um, that, that I'm, you know, I, I remained a, a, a member of um, CLPD exec after I'd signed the Labour Women's Declaration. I'm still on the left, nothing's changed. But I just signed it when I did because I didn't want to do it during the campaign because it would have been a distraction from the unifying issues that everybody had agreed we were going to focus on. But also because I needed to take that time to read up and do my homework and find out that I definitely, whether I definitely could sign up in all honesty to all of those points on there, because there is a lot to learn about this. Um, and I don't normally like to nail the colours to the mast until I've done a decent amount of research and homework yeah. on, a, on an issue. So I wanted to feel confident that I could sign it and fully endorse it. Um, and the point when I did it was the point when I'd read up enough that I'd peaked enough. <laughs> I'd had enough, <laughs> and I thought, no, I, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna hide my head below the parapet on this one. It's too important. Um, and I really did get a lot of stick for that and a lot of bullying within the local Labour Party as a councillor um, and as a member of the National Women's Committee as well, quite publicly as well. But that is people, what it is. Do you think the people who were attacking you over that had actually read the Labour Women? possibly not they'd probably just heard it was a, a transphobic hate group yeah no, this is what interests yeah. me because it actually is a very civilized document asking mm -hmm. people basically to look at 
what the Equalities Act asks them to Already do. says, already <laughs> says, yeah, yeah. But so, yeah, it's too womeny. It must be a bad thing. Uh, so would you say that, I mean, I've got teenage kids and I know that they have quite different views on all of this. They've had a lot of uh, different influences, you know, kind of helping them to form their judgments and decisions and viewpoints on this than I've had. Certainly within school, they've had a lot of education around, around these issues. Would you say then that there is a generational divide now? Is that something you think is permanently set in place or do we just see things differently? What, what do you think about that? I think yes to all those in a way. I think that there is a conscious effort to use and create and widen the generation gap here. It's not necessary. I think so much of the, the current LGBTQ plus stuff is about relabeling, renaming, changing the rules, changing history. You end up with people actually coming from broadly the same place, apparently disagreeing. I look at young people around me who, you know, there's a lot of young kids now who declare themselves non-binary and they strike me as ever so much like their feminist dungaree wearing grannies. It's mm. the same, don't call me feminine, don't call me masculine, don't drag me into all this, I'm gonna go down the middle and be a person, you mm. can't stop me. Mm -hmm. I mean, <laughs> It is very similar. Mm. So the fact that they've been set up to be enemies, I think, is terrible. I agree with you. So you think it's a false, it's a false division, really? To a great extent. Yeah, because because our generation played with the concepts of gender, didn't we? We, we did that. We almost, we didn't go first because David Bowie before, but yeah, we had that with the goth, whole goth thing and yeah. and so on. Yeah. So it's nothing new in a way, is it rejecting gender stereotypes? <laughs> it's a good thing, yeah. <laughs> um, so I wanted to ask you as well, so, so just to bring us to a close now, um, thinking about people on the left, I, I don't know if you agree, but I feel personally that there are probably a lot of women on the left who've been afraid to look into this. They've got niggles and they've got doubts or, or maybe not even just women, men who are concerned about women, concerned about their partners, their daughters, their sisters, you know, their friends. If they've got friends who are lesbian or whatever it is, they've, they've had some niggles and concerns about what's happening, what's happening with children. It's OK. I think I'd like to say to people on the left, it's OK. And it's actually probably the morally right thing to do, not just to look at one side of the argument or to hide your head and hope that this is going to go away. It's OK. And there are places that you can go to to get, you know, evidence based information, helpful information so that you can start to get your head around some of these issues. And you're not transphobic if you do that. You know, at the very least, you can look at what the other side of the argument is saying and you can then form your own opinion but if we sort of do the fingers in our ears hope this is all going to go away and hope that I can keep my head down and keep out of it that's not really how we would normally approach difficult issues as socialists you know we, we want to try and confront these issues and be informed about them and if there are injustices and if there are things that we need to grapple with we need to have the backbone to be able to to do that so where would you where would you recommend that people go where did you go when you wanted to first try and unscramble some of this some of these issues well the first and most obvious thing is to talk to some people around you who have different opinions it's not that hard to find them but there's masses of stuff online now and it depends to a certain extent where your personal interests and allegiances are i mean if you wonder what's going on in sport 
have a look at their play for women. They've got bags of information on that. If you're concerned about the kids, go to Transgender Trends. They've got a smashing website with all sorts of testimonies and all sorts of information. You know, you can just read it quietly and decide for yourself what you're going to take seriously. Um, Sex Matters is good. They're, they're very much analysing the legal situation and talking about why different areas of life sex really doesn't make a difference and how it, that the law treats that. So Sex Matters, Transgender Trends, Fair Play for Women, there's some that occurred to me. But what about you, Mandy? What are your favourite go-tos? Um, I think they're great. Um... If you're still a member of the Labour Party, maybe have a look into what uh, Lesbian Labour have put together. Um, Labour Women's Declaration as well. Have a look at that and consider if you feel comfortable to sign up to those things. Or if you, you know, if you read through them, you might not find that they're as transphobic as you've been led to believe that that they are. Um, Standard for Women. They put out. Um, they've got amazing T-shirts, which you can maybe say more about that but um but that standard for women that's kelly j keen um she is very sort of straight talking on this issue and i think some people don't like that but other people find it really helpful because it enables them to unscramble things more clearly in their own mind if they're new to this um and the mess we're in is um they, these are things that you can find on youtube so if you look up kelly j keen standing for women if you look up um graham linehan um the mess we're in he does and he's done for a number of years regular um youtube shows about these issues if you're coming into this as a beginner and you've not really got your head around all of it yet they can be really good places to start for just initial background on the main areas um of, of focus really that it's good to know about and the women's rights network has been set up i think just over a year ago and their website is brill so if you're someone who's got got concerns about women's rights or concerns about uh, children and what's happening with children in schools or in healthcare or whatever then you can um, go on their website and there's a lot of things that you can do that you don't actually have to come out and publicly state your position so if you feel that maybe your job would be at risk or that you just couldn't face it at this point in time at the very least you can go on their website and you can take part in writing to your MP take part in writing to your local councillor or the council leader or whatever the um, police and crime commissioner you know they, they make it very very easy for you to be actively involved in this um, without having to go public if that's something that you prefer to do just to dip a toe in and they've got loads of good good useful information on there as well I hope some of our leftist groups will make a serious attempt to investigate this as well. I mean, if you're a leader or a convener of any socialist or communist or whatever, I mean, actually, the communists have been quite good. They've, they've done more study on this than any of the other groups, I think. Mm -hmm. But it's it's much less scary as a group. Yeah. You know, you don't have to suddenly, okay, tomorrow I'm going to stand up on my own in the town square and say, this is my opinion on women's rights. You don't have to do that. Mm -hmm. But if you go with a group, and say okay let's study this yeah it's well scary isn't it speaking up and we see what happens to people when they do um and it's just, it's just one of those things but um yeah I, th I think well with the women's rights network there are local groups so i've set one up in cheshire um i've had women who've approached me you know to find out more about what's going on but they're not ready to go public or join people are so scared but once you've got a little group of people going i think sometimes it can help you know there's safety in numbers isn't there um so i would just like to really thank you very much for coming along it's been quite a lengthy chat it's a longer chat than what we'd normally do and obviously 
you know, my point of view isn't necessarily shared by everyone in Resist by any means, but what's been really good is that Resist have not put the blockers on as discussing this. They're allowing people to discuss these things. We're trying to discuss them in an evidence-based and respectful way. Um, but they, these are viewpoints that have been very much stifled. So I'm really appreciative that we're, uh, they're allowing us really this platform yes, to really do this. Yeah. I mean, I know I'm yeah. seen as quite an outrageous person in all this, but you know, most of the way along, all I was asking for was for people to find out what was going on. To yeah. yeah. My views developed along the way, but yeah, great. Thank you very much for the platform. And we've had some technical difficulties, but if you're watching this on Wednesday night, we are there with you in the YouTube chat. So, you know, we'll, we'll be there for a little while so you can carry on asking questions or making comments if you want to. And can I ask people also to consider subscribing to Patreon because we do need a strong left um, movement to rise from the ashes um and we can't do that without people getting involved <laughs> so um please do consider subscribing to patreon that's going to help us to grow consider joining resist um and please do like share and subscribe uh, the youtube channel and um share on our social accounts social media accounts on your socials if you would as well please and uh, that's it from us i think for this week and thank you once again <laughs>